Well, I appreciate you coming. We got a special treat this morning. We're going, you get two for the price of one. We're going to do our gospel truth message for, in front of a live studio audience. Amen. Matt and I are a good team. I couldn't be me without him because I say a lot of wild things and he keeps me in check. But I'm thankful for him. He really does. He knows the Bible as much as anybody I've ever talked to and I, I need him. So I'm thankful to have him. This was not, uh, we don't trust Seth up there by himself. This was our, our idea. So we're gonna start in Galatians chapter five, verse one. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? We hear a lot about this grace and, uh, and we're gonna talk about it this morning because it is the most important subject that we could study in this time. Because I used this example in one of our videos recently and it was, I work for a large company, I sign a sales plan. I have a sales plan that is presented to me every year and it's different every year but some things never change the pieces that pertain to me change commission structures sales products that kind of thing the document as a whole is about 10 pages and the whole document is for me the whole thing the first part lays out you know how we are to conduct ourselves as a representative of the company how we're to treat customers what kind of things are expensable, that kind of thing. The whole document is presented to everyone. Everyone gets the same document. The whole document is for me, but then about halfway through there's a piece that is specifically for my role. That's the sales role that I happen to fall under. And there's different types of sales roles, but the sales role that I fall under, there's a piece of that document that is for me. And that's what the Bible is. The whole document is for us, but there's a piece in it, and that's the epistles from Romans to Philemon. That is written specifically to us for this time. And I know we've heard that before, but it bears repeating because uh, we're gonna find out what the Galatians had a problem with and why Paul wrote to them the way he did. I love 1 Peter 5, 7. It's one of my favorite verses, cast all your cares. I love 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be. I, I love those verses. I can take those verses for me. Psalms chapter 12, verse 5 says that the favor of God will surround the righteous as a shield. Well, I'm the righteous. So I can take that verse and, and declare that his favor surrounds me like a shield. Galatians 5, 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So what he's talking to the Galatians about is the yoke of bondage being the law and the liberty being in Christ. You'd have to go back and actually read exactly what he's what what happened was Paul went to the Galatians and he ministered grace to them and he even said they received him as if he was Jesus Christ himself they, they received him as if he was an angel they ate that grace message up as did I when I first heard it several years ago but then someone else came along 
and started preaching to them a different gospel than what Paul had preached. And what he was saying was, who has deceived you? Did you receive your salvation through the Spirit or by the works of the law? They had gone back under works. The church today isn't exactly like the church of Galatia, but it is similar because that's what we do. What we've decided somewhere along the way, we've been taught by whoever we listen to, we've been taught that, yes, we're under the grace of God. Yes, God's grace is given to us freely. But if you sin, you better be careful about those consequences. Or if you sin, God's not really in a position to bless you. That's the same thing the Galatians were hearing. And I'll show you down in the 13th verse, because he says... For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So this is what they were doing. This is what he was trying to tell them not to do. It's because they were saying the same things that we say today. When I first heard the grace message, I remember where I was in my life. And this was back in probably 2013. I was going through a, a period in my life, and, I, rem- and I, don't, I didn't remember the year. My mom sent me an email that I had sent to her at the end of 2013. Somewhere along the, along the way, I got the revelation, and that's what it is. We're going to talk about revelation here in a minute. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ is what grace is. Grace is God revealing Christ in you. That's what he did for Paul. He revealed Jesus in him. Me personally, the first revelation that I got, and I was raised in this church, so I knew a lot of the Bible, but I had not done anything for myself. I just knew I had a lot of scriptures in my head. And I think the first revelation that I truly got was that the flesh decays every day. Although the flesh is decaying, the spirit man is renewed day by day. That means that every single day that I wake up, yesterday is gone. Anything that I did yesterday is over with. God doesn't remember it, so why should I? And tomorrow will take care of itself. Because today, my spirit man is new today. And tomorrow, my spirit man will be new tomorrow. So whatever I do today will be gone tomorrow. What it started to do in my life was to get my mindset off of me. This is what was happening to Galatia. They started to bring the grace down to their level, to where they were doing things by works. So when we think of works, we think doing something to get something, and that is true, that is works, the the works of the law. But really, works... If you go back to Exodus, when the law showed up, Exodus chapter 19. Let's actually read that, Exodus chapter 19, because it's important for you to know Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. So in the third month, when the children of Israel were were gone out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. These were the same children of Israel who were presently under grace. They had walked in the wilderness, and not a single one of it had died or gotten sick. Their shoes hadn't worn out. These are the same people. For they departed from 
whatever they departed from, and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain saying, thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings. You saw what I did, I defeated your enemies. You saw what I did to the Egyptians. You saw how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, not my laws. He didn't have any laws at that time. If you will obey my voice, the voice of God for us today is the Holy Ghost. Keep that in mind, okay? If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, that's the covenant he struck. Then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Don't you want to be that? A peculiar treasure above all people? Because we are, by the way. <laughs> We're a peculiar treasure in his eyes above all people. Then you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words. Now keep in mind, he's not asking them to do a thing. He's not telling them other than listen to what he says. That's all he's saying. These are the words that you shall speak unto the children of Israel. Moses came down for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words which the Lord had commanded him. And the people answered and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Those three words, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And then as soon as he said that, then the Lord said unto Moses, go sanctify them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day for I'm gonna come down for the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai and thou shalt set bounds unto the people. Take heed in yourselves that you go not up to the mount or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. He told them, if you will just listen to me, I'm not asking you to do a thing. If you'll just listen to my voice, I will make you a peculiar people. I will make you a treasure unto me, and I'll put you above everyone. And what they said was, just tell us what to do, and we'll do it. They were relying on themselves. What they were looking for was for him to just tell them what to do so that they could do it. We do the same thing today. We look for someone to just tell us what to do and let us do it. Unfortunately, that's not what grace is. Grace is wholly, wholly relying upon him. For everything, wholly relying upon him. In my life, as an example, and Matt's gonna give an example, in my life, 2016 was probably as far as I can recall, was the worst year I've ever had in my life. I was working for a company that stole money from me. They owed me a large sum of money. And they told me they weren't, just were not going to pay me. That was in January. This <laughs> is the first of the year. At the same time, Emily will have to close her ears. I was dating a girl. I got much better. I was dating a girl that I thought I thought I wanted to marry. And she and I 
saw eye to eye on everything except spiritual things. So I had a, if you'll recall, at the same time I was going through here with the other, which I'm fine with, by the way. The two things together were causing me to think, well, now would be a good time to get right out of here. Because I have X over here, I'm tired of blah, 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 right? The one thing she and I did not see eye to eye on was spiritual things. And for me, I was looking for agreement in a person, spirit, soul, and body, in that order. Spirit, soul, and body. If I have to leave off number one, then you're probably not the right one for me. Everything else I loved. I ended that at the same time that this was going on. And it was a rough breakup. Because it was not, I hate you. It was, I told Emily, I knew that I loved her. Her mom asked me, when did you know you loved her? And I said, I don't think she liked the answer. But I said, I knew I loved her when I realized that she was the first person. Y'all have to understand how I am. Okay, everybody, everybody thinks they know somebody, but they don't really. You know, I, I am, um, I, I'm a odd guy, but I knew that I loved her when I realized to myself one day, she's the first girl I've ever dated that I didn't, at some point in the relationship, look up to heaven and say, God, you got to get me out of this. I got to get out of this. What I realized was every single time I did that. He got me out of it. Even sometimes when I didn't want to, I was just kind of exasperated at the time. But every single time I did that, he got me out of it. Maybe I didn't like the method, but it got done, right? <laughs> so I never did that with her. She and I could sit and have spiritual conversations like I do with him. He and I talk every day, all day via text with Jake. Let's not leave him out. Find someone that you can talk to that won't judge you for your thoughts. That is a friend. Find someone that you can talk to that won't judge you for your thoughts, that you can talk to about anything, that doesn't think that because you said something that's a little off the wall. He knows better than anybody. I start out real high. <laughs> And then as I talk about it, I come down. But I talk myself into, right? I teach myself as I'm talking. I need somebody like that, especially who I live with, to understand that about me. That when I start out hot, that's not the end of the world. I'll come down. Just let me talk myself into it. So that year was really bad. And I mean really bad. And I mean really bad. And I mean really bad. It was... Uh, the first time in my life that I had, I spent probably five months in, uh, I don't want to belittle the term, but I spent, I was pretty depressed, right? Didn't want to get out of bed. Or when I did get out of bed, I really just, I wanted to sleep till noon. I didn't stop working out and things like that, but that's basically all I did and played video games at night. I was just in a hole that I kept trying to get out of on my own. I kept trying. I kept saying to God, just help me out here. 
just give me something to do. Just let, I, I'll do, you know, I can get myself out of this. I can get myself out of this. I would go apply for a job and I would get all the way to the end and not get it. And it would just get worse. Then one day in about September, that was in January, September, I finally dropped to my knees one morning and said, I cannot do this anymore. That was fast. I can't do this anymore on my own. I need you. And you know, it changed that fast. It changed that fast. Everything was gone. I had a new job, a job that was 10 times better than what I had before. But it was because I got myself out of the way. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for us to get ourselves out of the way and just let him work. What he has done in us through the grace of God Almighty, what he has done is provide all of these things that we need. What we have done is bring it down to us, right? So faith, we have learned, and rightfully so, because in Mark eleven twenty two and 23 and 24, it says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into shall not die in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he say shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That is the one reference, the one reference to faith outside here. The one. The dozens of references to faith in Paul's message dozens of times he talks about faith. It's always in here. Faith in what Christ Jesus did for you. And the things that you have in Christ Jesus every single time, with the exception of 2 Corinthians 4.13, we having the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. So faith is in here. Faith is inside. Our faith is, thank God that I've already received my healing. Thank God that I have all sufficiency of all things. Thank God that everything that I do every day, whether good or bad, works out in my favor. See, when you put that mindset on it, you put that turn on it, then it doesn't matter what happens daily because whatever happens daily will work out in your favor. That's the problem oftentimes with us believing in grace as opposed to faith where we've put it out here. Well, I'm gonna put my faith on this car. I'm gonna put my faith on this healing. I'm gonna put my faith on this house. And let me blanket statement saying, I'm not saying that doesn't work. What I'm saying is, what we do is we put it, we put faith out here versus in here. When we put faith out here, we put it on us, my faith, so that when it doesn't happen, we say, my faith didn't work. Or, you know, God's got, if we're smart, we say God's got something better, and he does. But we bring it to us. God's trying to get you to get you out of the way. It was coming up to me while you were saying this. This wasn't, wasn't what I was going to say at all. That in 1 Corinthians, the, the Galatians were people that received grace 
and then went back towards law. The Corinthians were people that received grace and then just went wild. They like, let's go as far as we can with this thing. And Paul is saying a lot to them about, he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. <laughs> Come on, not everything edifies you. So he was saying, pull back, pull back a little bit. Not that you're not free, but don't do dumb things. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 says, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. We have this concept we keep doing over and over again. We get this idea that we're smart enough to figure out what the best thing is. We say, like he was just saying, I want that house, or I want that car, or I want that wife, I want that husband. We think we have the best plan. So we, we start believing God for a thing. You can have wisdom, but man's wisdom, your own brain wisdom, is not going to be enough to get you the highest and best that God has for you. When you've decided the thing you want and you go after it yourself, what you're doing is limiting that liberty that you have. You're not giving God the freedom to accomplish things in your life. If I went with my own plan, and this was several, several years ago, probably around 2013, around the same time, actually, maybe before that, we had been here long enough to not quite get things right. I'd started to get an understanding of the things of the Spirit, but I was, I didn't really have a grasp on it. I don't know exactly how long it takes to really get a grasp on things. I think some people do much more quickly than I did, and some people take a while to get there. But I had been here long enough to know some things of the Spirit, but I had not been making the best choices in life, and I'd put myself in positions that I didn't really like. I had not connected naturally with people here like I wanted to. And I hadn't, hadn't really made those connections. So when things were going awry, I came up with this idea in my head that it would be better to go back to Pennsylvania, where I had lived before, back to where we had met, Mel and I had met, and back to the same job I was working before, which wasn't financially lucrative, but it was a Christian theater. It was doing the work of the ministry-ish, and it was peaceful. Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, if you've ever been there, it's just Amish and peaceful. And so I had it in my head, hey, this is a good idea. Let's go back there. And I was praying things out with God, saying, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. And at some point, he said to me, he said, well, then go do it. And I heard that as, oh, God is for this. This is what he wants for my life. What he was really saying was, I can't do anything with you if you're locked on this. Just go do what, whatever you want to do. Thank God we went back up to Pennsylvania for me to go audition at the theater I'd worked at before, a place where I'd already had a job, so I knew how to do the work. And I, we were friends with a lot of the people who were in charge of hiring. So you would think that would be a way in. But thank God, I didn't get the job. And I had to come crawling back here sad and thinking I'd failed at the thing I thought was God's plan for me. And it was not until months later, probably, that I started getting the revelation, wait a minute, that's my plan. My plan is not going to be as good as whatever God has for me. 
but I, I still wasn't in a place, I still wasn't operating from a place of revelation. I was operating from a place of, oh, my mind's starting to work. I'm starting to understand. I have my own ideas, and my own ideas are not going to be as good as what God's idea is for me. The first revelation I got was not directly from the Word of God, but it was a revelation God dropped directly in my spirit one day when I was trying to make sense of the way things operated at Grace, when I was trying to make sense of the way the pastors talked, because I'd not ever sat under anybody with anywhere near the boldness or like a Holy Ghost ferocity. There's a moment when you're flowing with the Holy Ghost, and I've, I've seen it now from the other side of things, where it's just intense because you're not worrying about any of this any of the natural things around, you are locked in with the flowing of the Holy Spirit and you're not considering what's around. And it's, it's the look you can see on Pastor Cheryl often. It is Holy Ghost intensity. There's no anger there. There's no judgment there. There is just, this is, this is the power of the Holy Ghost flowing through. So I was trying to make sense of that in my natural mind. And then suddenly God dropped in my spirit that what comes from the pulpit is by the Holy Ghost and for my good. That's something I've said over and over again. You'll probably hear me say it again and again and again, which is not going to do you any good if you're just hearing it in your mind. But if you start grabbing hold in your spirit to see what's, to get a hold of the truth here, God wasn't saying to me every single word that's ever taught from the pulpit is exactly the perfect word to choose in that situation. He was saying, what's coming from here is for me. When I got that, it was an instant change for me. It became, I'm excited to go to church because I know what's being said here is for me. And it's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost puts they put pastors in place. The Holy Ghost is using us this morning. He uses Ms. Mavis. He uses people who step behind this pulpit to deliver the message, to deliver the thing that he the liberty message this morning, he, he, he uses that. He uses us. It's for the perfecting of the saints. And if we, it was the moment that I stopped going after my own plan and I said, I'm just going to receive from the pulpit. Receive doesn't mean hear it and then like don't do anything about it. It means go, go home, get in the word, see if the word agrees with what's being said there. Do, and it will, because that's the way it works here but go find out for yourself what the word says. It was the moment I stopped trying to control things. And I think that's the other side of liberty. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We have freedom wherever the Holy Ghost is. And the Holy Ghost is in us. We are operating from a place of liberty. We should be operating from a place of liberty. There, I know you want to jump in here. Go ahead. The word liberty is the Greek word eleutheria. That word means the ability to do or to omit things not pertaining to salvation. The ability to do or to omit things not pertaining to salvation. So what that means is that God gives us all these things with salvation. That We've heard about it before. Sozo. It's not just a ticket to heaven. He gives us all of these things and then gives us the ability, the power, to walk in those or not. We choose for ourselves. 
That's what liberty is. That's what freedom is. And that's what people, if you go back to the second chapter of Galatians, this is what made Galatians 2, 4 says, and that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, in other words, people brought these guys in who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. People hate the liberty in you because that liberty produces peace, joy, long-suffering, faith. He goes down to, to talk about it later on in that fifth chapter when he says, first of all, the main, the main thing that people say when they talk about grace is, well, you're just saying that we can just do whatever we want. And that's true. That's what that liberty is. It's exactly what that is. It's true. It doesn't mean there's not consequences. What it is is saying, let me get down to Galatians chapter 5. Okay. Galatians chapter 5, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary to one another. He's not saying that the devil comes to you and tempts you to do something with your flesh. He said your flesh just wants to do it. You fight your flesh every day because the spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another. And so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, which is what he was just saying, if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Think about how Paul's writing this. This is the way I read the Bible. Paul says, he's talking about the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh because the Spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another so that you cannot do things. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law, which means the law produces not walking in the Spirit. And the law, if you recall, is not just the rules and the regulations. We say law, and we think the Ten Commandments first. And then we say, if we're real smart, we say, well, there were these other 600 over here, too, that they had to obey as well. That is true. That was the law. But really, what the, Paul says the law was given to bring man to understand he is sinning. Not to keep him, he, he just wanted man to understand. What he said was, if you want to do it yourself, fine. I'll give you these, and you do it yourself. That's what the law was. That's what Exodus was. If you, if you go back and read that Exodus 19, he said, don't touch the mountain or you'll die. And then he started giving them the Ten Commandments. After he told them, you're my people. I'm going to put you above everybody else. I'm going to give you whatever you have need of. They said, just tell us what to do and we'll do it. He said, back off the mountain, don't touch it or you'll die, and then gave them the Ten Commandments. So the law is really God's way of saying, you can't do this on your own. You need me, and if you'll just trust in me, if you'll just listen to my voice, I'll make you a peculiar treasure, is what he says, and I'll put you above all people. He goes on to say in Galatians, and they that are Christ's, and that's what we are, basically people who are born again, they that are Christ have 
crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So if we live in the spirit, that's what he said. If we live in the spirit, which we do, because if we are Christ, we have crucified the flesh. If we live in the spirit, then you should walk in the spirit. And walking in the spirit is producing love, joy, peace. That's what the spirit produces. So if you're not a happy person, and I wasn't, if you're not a happy person, if you're not a joyful person, if you're not a peaceful person, that doesn't mean there's not something going on around you. I'm talking about inside. If you're not happy on the inside, peaceful on the inside, if everything just seems to go wrong for you, and then that's what you say, man, everything goes wrong for me. You're not walking in the Spirit, and it's because you don't have a revelation that you live in the Spirit. You are free on the inside. Whether or not you're going to live that freedom out, live that liberty out, and the liberty, the Spirit will produce all those things, that's what's up to you. That's a natural thing that you're going to have to do. It's spiritual, but it's a natural thing. You're going to have to incorporate Philemon 6. You're going to have to start acknowledging every good thing that's inside you if you want to get free, if you want to get the freedom that actually belongs to you that you already actually have. That is the work you're going to have to do. Are we required to do any works? If you want freedom, you're going to have to do something about it. It's yours. You just have to get the mind and the flesh out of the way. It's already in you to walk in that absolute freedom. And the freedom is also from the lust of the flesh. It's not just a freedom to do anything else. You, don't, you won't want to do any of those other things. You, want to, you won't want to seek out your own plan. It's inside you to be free. So you have to keep renewing your mind by the word of God to walk in that liberty, to walk in that freedom. You have to let it come from the inside out. If you try to wear freedom, everybody's going to know it's false. People see right through you right away if you are trying to, trying to fake it till you make it. You don't have to do that. There's no reason to do that. I get to wear this suit and this bow tie every Sunday. I could view that as that's a regulation. The music team has to dress this way. Here's the law that we have to do. Or I can allow the freedom to come from the inside out of me and not care about any of this. God doesn't care about any of this. He wants us to do our best, and we want to look good. We want to honor God with what we're doing. But it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. What's, what matters is what's inside. And if we're, if we're operating from an outside-in position, we're, we're never going to walk in the freedom. That this church, I think we need another level of freedom. This keeps coming up. We need another level of freedom because I see, I see us on the platform not being as free as we need to be. We've seen places that are free. I see the freedom to minister the things of God from the platform, and we've been held back. We're not going to be held back anymore. It's my driving desire to get us free up here, and all y'all out here, the same thing, to get free. There are people that are free, but to get free so that we can reach a place of worship we've never reached before in this particular body. I've seen it. I've seen glimpses of it here. I know we can get there, but there is a level of freedom we have not yet achieved. There's a level of freedom that if we get free and we stop worrying about the regulations, we stop worrying about what anybody else would think of the way we look. If you care about the way you look, you're going to have to get in your closet 
alone and pray and fix that right now. Because if you care, if you get free from caring what anything looks like, then you can achieve something in the in the realm of the spirit in the in worship. Really, what are we going to do for eternity? Or we're going to have jobs. We're, there might be things we're doing. Uh, if you read, uh, what's that, Romans 4.13, and actually read it in the Greek, there's some bigger words than we've ever thought there. That's just um, a note. Go look it up. But there may be jobs, but we're going to spend eternity worshiping. We're going to spend eternity free from the mortal coil. Is that the word you use? Free from the mortal coil. We need freedom. We've got to start doing that here now. And let go of all the let go of all the past. Let go of any dumb thing you've ever done, even if it was 15 minutes ago, because it doesn't matter. Anything one second ago is past. It's what he said. It's already past. You can't do anything to undo the past. You just pick up and move forward. Just keep moving forward. It's always in the moment. Now faith is. That's Hebrews, but that counts for us. Faith is now. So we always operate in the now. So we operate in the freedom of the now, and that changes things in the future. If we want to reach out to the city of Charlotte, to the people around the world, with the message of the freedom we have at Grace Christian Center is not getting out there unless we are the ones reaching out, and we're not going to be doing the reaching out unless we're free to go do it. How does that happen? Galatians chapter 1, starting verse 11. Paul says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. This is the same gospel he took to Peter and James and all those apostles in that same chapter, maybe the second chapter. In the, in the book of Galatians, he went to them. They had a council. He met with them privately, and he said, here's the revelation that I have. And they said, fantastic. You take your revelation and go to the Gentiles. We'll take our revelation and go to the Jews. He told them about his revelation, and his revelation was this. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's how we walk in this freedom. The knowledge of Jesus Christ himself. What Jesus did for us what God did through him, what he accomplished in Jesus, that's how you can say when you're in the midst of the worst possible situation in your life, you have inward peace and you can say everything's going to work out here in my favor because you have a revelation of Jesus Christ and what he did. That's the faith. Our faith is in the grace of God and what it's done for us. We are saved by grace through faith. It's the faith in the grace, not faith for this thing. Faith in the grace is what this thing's all about. Everything, everything, everything we do is inside. 
not out here. You could have complete chaos out here, but complete peace in here. Amen? We appreciate you watching. Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> no, uh, thank you. But actually, on those long, along those lines, do um, continue to spread the message of Grace Christian Center there on YouTube. We're over 100 subscribers. We're able to do some things that now make it easier to find for the general public, and it also uh, helps it easier on the algorithm to be able to suggest those videos to other people, hungry hearts out there looking for the things of God. But continue to share the message here. We've spent a long time honing our craft. We've spent a long time getting the message of truth here, but that message is ready to go out to the world. The secondary way we have it is, hey, here's this YouTube link. The primary way we have it is use your own mouth, get out there and start spreading the truth. That's what our channel is. Basically, all we do is take what we've learned here and then our own studies and dig in deeper and just say out to people, Different people will hear a different voice. If you start using the voice God has given you, you're going to see that people will be drawn to the truth that you have. Paul says the same thing, right? You hear a lot in, in here about, uh, well, Brother Hagen would say, or, uh, well, uh, Pastor says, and Paul went to the same thing with the Corinthians. He said, did Apollos baptize you? Did I baptize you? No, Jesus baptized you. So it's all about Jesus. You can receive from anybody who's preaching the word, who's preaching the revelation of Jesus Christ. As to the other thing that sometimes I hear, which is the sin part, living any way you want and still receiving the promise. Here's what sin does. Sin never separates you from God, ever. In the Old Testament, sin separated them from God. They had to go sacrifice a goat to come. Sin separated them from God, so then they had to go shed blood. Jesus' blood was shed once for all of us. Sin never separates us from God. What it does do is it puts a layer of condemnation between you and him. Condemnation is the shame and the guilt of sin that Paul will tell you Jesus paid for. Jesus paid for the guilt and the shame of sin. So that when you walk in the Spirit, it gives you the power, the Holy Ghost inside you. Listen, what he says in Galatians is to listen in here to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives you the power to live righteously to walk in the Spirit. He separates the two, living and walking. We live in the Spirit. Just go walk in the Spirit, is what he says. You gotta do that on your own. And that is a revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. Let me ask anyone in the, on the praise team, do you know that song? Your grace is still amazing. Does anybody know that song? Okay, just stand up and worship God with me, and let's just be thankful to him for grace, for his grace. Now, just from your heart, just begin to be thankful and grateful for the grace of God. Lord, your grace 
is so amazing. Lord, your grace is so amazing. Yes, your grace is so amazing, amazing to me. Lord, your grace, it's still amazing. Lord, your grace is still amazing. Yes, your grace is still amazing, amazing to me. One more time. Lord, your grace is still amazing. Lord, your grace is still amazing. Lord, your grace is still amazing, amazing to me. Father, we honor and we worship you for your grace. We thank you for the giving of your son, Jesus, so that we could walk in this perfect liberty. We thank you that if grace is a free gift to us, nothing that we did or could do could earn it for us, but your son, Jesus, obtained this liberty for us. And we're thankful, and we're thankful and we're thankful that we live and walk and operate in your grace. We thank you. We thank you for grace. We worship you because your grace is amazing, because your grace is sufficient, because we have abundance and no lack where your grace is concerned, not in anything we need, not in any ability we desire, we have your grace operating in and through us, through faith. We give you praise, and we thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And so um, as I was seated there, and um, I'm so glad the Holy Spirit decided to share more perfectly the understanding and knowledge of his grace today because he has been dealing for a long time with all of us I'm sure but even in me a greater understanding of grace and you know all too often sometimes we make things too hard when it comes to God and what he's done for us we like Matt and Seth said try to do it we try to be the workers of it we try to perform it but then sometimes we have a tendency to overthink things you know, grace isn't difficult. I've heard lots of preachers, and I've heard people to try to relegate it down and to, and I apologize, y'all, this is just the anointing. Not just the anointing, but it isn't me is what I'm saying. We try to relegate it down to something that fits our understanding, as Seth said. Grace is really very simple. It is freedom, and it is liberty, but it is this freedom to trust God, a liberty 
to trust God. Now, that liberty isn't relegated to one thing, like the house that you're believing for, or the car that Matt and Seth mentioned, or the money or finances you may need. If you need ability to perform your job, his grace is sufficient. If you need finances to purchase a car or a home or to give away, his grace is sufficient. Whatever it is that you need, if you need time, he can redeem time for you. His grace makes it happen. What Seth and Matt were saying today, his grace will, if you can trust, if you let yourself trust him, grace is sufficient for you. Like the scripture says, we don't frustrate then the grace of God. See, when we try to work it ourselves, that's a frustration to the grace. When we try to perform it, you're frustrating the grace. You don't have to frustrate the grace of God. The scriptures say, because if righteousness can come by the law or by you performing these things, then Jesus died in vain. So conversely, it can't be performed and it can't be earned that way. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient even in giving. Many times, they used a lot of words today, freedom, liberty, and they use the word revelation a lot. We've had a revelation on getting or giving to get. But what we need is a revelation on giving. We resent it many times when the pastors get up by the Spirit of God and give us an opportunity to sow or to give. We resented it because we didn't have the revelation of giving. Thank you, Father, for your amazing grace. We worship you for your grace. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah for Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, our Lord. We thank you for increase increasing our knowledge of Jesus Christ and who we really are in him. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.